You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Third down, is to go. The Peter, 17 to 14, Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Take the snap. What's up, guys? Good Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a great day. My name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome to Packers Total Access. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can do so by sending a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And I'm going to try to bring some good energy today because I tell you, I just had the uh, all the energy sucked out of the room, literally. Okay. Um, got about 40 minutes into this pod and the electricity goes out, right? And uh, so this is the second time we're doing it. You know, we do it nice because we do it twice type of thing. And I'll tell you, when I was sitting here, as soon as, as soon as everything went dark, because I've got the studio kind of blacked out, curtains pulled, all that, I said to myself, I had two questions. Did I lose the recording? And did I pay the power bill? <laughs> Those are the two things that came to mind, right? And luckily, the power did come back on, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was my wife, Mandy, that made that happen. She's uh, now been going around behind my back for 22 years, uh, fixing all my mistakes. So that's probably how the power got back on. But anyway, here we are. So let's do this again. All right. (laughs) Like I said, my name's Clayton. Appreciate you guys joining us. Guys, today was a uh, pretty cool day. There's a lot going on in the Green Bay Packer world, right? You have uh, the 85-man cut down. We're going to talk about that and just some some key cuts that took place. We also had a Saints joint practice, you know, with the New Orleans Saints up there at uh, Ray Nischke Field. So we're going to cover a few tweets off of that. We're also going to hear from Rasul Douglas. We're going to hear from Kenny Clark, and we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so uh, they, they spoke after practice. And then we've got a listener email we're going to get to, and we'll get you guys out of here pretty quick. So let's just start off right off the bat with the 85-man cut down. And, uh, you know, this there was a couple of surprises in here, I think, for me anyway. Um, a couple of players that I thought would make it a, a little bit longer. Now, you guys know today is the 85-man cut down. The next cut down will be August the 23rd, so that's next Tuesday. They'll cut the roster down to 80. And then the following Tuesday will be on the 30th, and they'll cut it down to 53. And these two players that I'm going to mention that were kind of a surprise cuts for me, I thought for sure they would make it to the 80-man. Um, and I, honestly, uh, one of them I thought would probably make the 53-man roster. So uh, a lot of things kind of getting mixed up here. So let's just start with the – what I'm going to do is just cover a few of the key cuts and uh, and kind of just hit on them for a minute. First of all, uh, edge defender Randy Ramsey was released. Um, you had center Cole Schneider was cut. That wasn't a surprise at all. Randy Ramsey, I expected him to get cut. I, I, in no way did I expect him to make the 53-man roster, you know, him being injured last year. And that room, as much as we were worried about depth, and there's still people saying, we need to sign a free agent, we need to sign a free agent. I, I don't understand that at all. <clears throat> Kingsley um, and Iqbar is, is showing a, a lot of a lot of progress. 
uh, there in the preseason game and in practice as well. Um, on top of, uh, you know, a couple other guys that are really flashing it. And, you know, I, I just don't, you know, I, I kind of subscribe to that old school Bill Parcells mentality of, you know, when you sign those those one year fixes, you're you're stopping progress on players that you obviously believed in, whether it was, you know, taking them in the draft or, or nabbing them off of waivers or an undrafted free agent or whatever the case may be. So I, I don't like the idea of just one year fixes. And and I just, you know, people like to point to, you know, like Whitney Merciless who who came in and he, he played pretty decent, but at the same time, it's like here we are one year later and we were still talking about edge defender depth. And what if we cut a player that could have stepped into that role and, and eventually, you know, turned into a decent player? Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess I can under, understand both sides of that argument. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I would rather go with a younger guy and uh, a, a multitude of younger guys and see if one flashes at the end of camp. And, and who knows, you might find a, a diamond in the rough there. So uh, anyway, Randy Ramsey gone, center Cole Schneider, not a surprise at all. Cornerback Dante Vaughn gone, uh, not a surprise there either. Now, this one's a little bit of a surprise for me um, simply because – you know, I expected him to last a little bit longer, and that was halfback B.J. Baylor. You guys know he caught that wheel route from Danny Etling in the uh, preseason game. He showed some uh, some good progress, especially in the passing game, whether it's uh, pass protection or, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. I felt like he had passed Taylor up, right, um, on the depth chart, but I was wrong. So B.J. Baylor is out. Uh, the next one is a big surprise for me was uh, tied in Dominic Daphne, okay? Dominic Daphne, I felt like he was going to make the roster over Tyler Davis. And I know there's some people that are rolling their eyes right now because, you know, Packer fans seem to love Tyler Davis. I'm not as big on him. However, you do have to kind of take into consideration some of the things like like Ryan talked about when he joined me on the pod there about a week ago um, of how you've got two different types of tight ends, and it's important to have both types, right? And Tyler Davis is kind of, uh, you know, built from that cut from that same cloth as a, a Robert Tunyon. I'm not saying that the quality of play is equal by no stretch of the imagination, but they are a similar type tied in that NASCAR tied in that we talk about. Right. Um, Dominic Daphne, not quite that, but I felt like he was well-rounded and I felt like he was someone who had a lot of history, you know, playing with the Packers. He saw a lot of playing time last year. Um, Aaron Rodgers had developed a little bit of trust in him. I thought he would last a little longer. So, um, he is out. And then offensive line, George Moore is out. That not That's not a surprise there at all. So when you kind of look at the updated depth chart, it, it looks to me like Tyler Davis is in the lead for that number four tight end spot. Now, they signed Becker. I don't have his first name in front of me. Don't know much about him, but they picked him up off waivers. So they added a tight end to the room, I guess, to kind of take a flyer on him. Could be just a camp body. And maybe they, out of respect to Daphne, wanted to give him a chance to, to pick back up on another team. That could have been the case but they bring in Becker to kind of replace him. So um, with that being said, that was those were the cuts, the key cuts that were made to bring the roster down to 85 men, okay? Nothing huge, but just a couple of surprises there that kind of caught me off guard. Um, again, I expected Dominic Daphne to make the roster, and I expected B.J. Baylor at least to make it to the 80-man cut. Um, but here we are, right? That's It happens every single year in camp, and no way am I looking at those cuts and going, man, Goody really screwed this up. I seen people on Twitter today going, I don't understand how they could see it that way. Guys, they they're they're getting a, a lot better look at these players than we are watching YouTube clips, right? Like I I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I understand the evaluation process as much as that front office. 
I'm darn sure not going to sit here and pretend like I understand which players are better, um, you know, from uh, from this small little town here in Tennessee, right? I'm, I'm not there boots on the ground watching practice every day, seeing them in the training room, seeing how they react in the locker room, hearing what teammates have to say about them, hearing what their position coaches have to say about them. You know, there's this constant evaluation. And if you really – if you want to gleam anything away from the hard knocks show – uh, that's what you can really come away with is is understanding um, how these position groups are managed by their their specific coaches and they're kind of kept separate. Believe it or not, you know I've got a good friend. His name's Vince. I won't say his last name out of respect, but uh, of course he he probably wouldn't care. He's a great guy, a good close friend of mine. Um, he's like six six. Um, when during his playing days, I think he played at two sixty. I think maybe two seventy. Anyway. Went to a small college, um, transferred to a little bit bigger college. Again, I don't want to give the names out. And he was signed as an undrafted free agent by the New England Patriots. And then he actually went over to Kansas City when Scott Pioli took the GM job at Kansas City. That was one of the first players he took with him. So he was kind of one of those hybrid edge rushers. Um, really, really good dude. He lives here locally. Actually has done some work with my wife. And um, just a super nice guy. But one of the things he told me when we had some conversations, and and I I've, I have never tried to beat information out of him. You know, we, we're friends. I'm not friends with him because he's a former NFL player. I'm friends with him for the person he is. He's a, a great man. Does a lot of a lot of outreach stuff in the community. Um, always thinking kids first here locally, and just uh, just a super awesome awesome guy. But uh, the thing when we were having a conversation one day, I asked him, I said, man, what's the thing that you think kind of kind of stands out that that most people might not understand about, you know, being at that level? He said just how divided things are. Yeah, you have your team meetings. But after that team meeting, he said, you go your separate way with your position coach and your position group. And you guys are studying tape on your own and you're working together off to the side. And then you come back together for these practice sessions. He said, it's it's kind of like you're a little team within the team. And it just kind of shows the acute focus that goes in to this craft. Right. And we like to look at it from afar thinking, oh, yeah, they go to practice and they go eat lunch and then they're just kind of hanging out in the locker room. And that's not how those meetings go, man. Those meetings they 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 disperse into the position groups, and I thought that was that was really cool. That kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So anyway, um, again, eighty five man cut down. That's where we're at right now. No huge surprises. So let's move on to the joint practice today, okay? And I'm not going to go through and bore you with all the tweets. I just picked out a handful that kind of stood out to me. And uh, you know, you guys know the player that I'm keeping my eye on the most is Romeo Dobbs. He's a guy that I'm waiting for him to hit that wall. I'm trying not to buy completely into the hype because, you know, he is what he is. He's, he's a later round pick and nobody expected him to have the success that he's having. And uh, I'm kind of expecting him to get to the point where, okay, you know, yeah, he, sure. He did great in, in, in just, uh, you know, uncovered drills. Okay. Yeah. He did well in practice. Okay. Yeah. He did well in a preseason game. Well, now we have joint practices and uh, lo and behold, he kind of stood out today in joint practice. Uh, Rob Domofsky said, Romeo Dobbs has seemingly passed every test the Packers have thrown at him. Practice, the preseason, opener, and now joint practice versus the, versus the Saints with a toe-tapping touchdown on an out from Aaron Rodgers. First of all, guys, out routes are not easy. <laughs> Go out in your front yard, run as hard as you can 10 yards, and then cut on a dime. Uh, you know, com completely to the side and try to 
get your body turned around, catch a football, and toe tap. Like, that's not an easy thing to do, right? And the fact that he's doing it in a joint practice on a pass from Aaron Rodgers, which we know Aaron's humming that tater. I mean, it, it, and now he's doing this against other teams consistently. Granted, it's a practice. Granted, preseason wasn't against a number one corner, I'm sure, right? But you're seeing it over and over and over. And sooner or later, myself included, we've got to go, you know what? This dude seems like the real deal. He seems like the real deal. So that that was very exciting to see there. Um, another thing that, that kind of uh, caused a scare, when I seen Twitter blow up today um, with this Rashawn Gary scare and some of the chats, I thought, oh, this sounds bad. And then I get home and I look at the Twitter, the you know the tweets and the Twitter feed myself, and I'm like, okay, this is what we were worried about. So basically, Rashawn Gary had a little injury scare in practice. He left the field for a short bit. The first tweet said it was by Matt Schneib, and it said Rashawn Gary spent about six minutes inside earlier and came out with the team physician, Dr. Pat McKenzie, and he's not on the field for the start of the two minute. Outside linebacker Kobe Jones is instead. Gary on the sideline with the helmet on. So that was like, okay, that doesn't sound horrible. If it was bad, he wouldn't have came back out on the field. Now, first of all, Kobe Jones, this is somebody that Sam Holman, you guys know, had a podcast drop last night, the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast by Sam Holman, one of my favorite pods. Make sure you go and uh, and and look for that um, every week for that to drop. He joins us sometimes on our live streams too. He was actually went live last night with uh, – God, Dusty Evely, I think I think is how you say his name. Um, super good follow there, too. And they were just breaking down tape of Quay Walker and some of the other um, defensive linemen and just does excellent work. But Kobe Jones is one of those guys that's on his radar, and he actually posted in the chat today, hey, you know, I could see him, you know, if they do decide to keep an extra edge defender, this guy's really, really picking up steam. So, anyway, Kobe stepped in for Rashawn Gary. Now, there was a later tweet by Matt Schneim, and it said, word is that Rashawn Gary is fine. For those wondering, he seemed ready to go back in anyway. So, nothing there. Anything you've seen there on Twitter, like me, if you if you saw a bunch of tweets, some messages coming in that the sky's falling, not the case at all. Okay, so Rashawn Gary's good to go. Up next, Rob Domofsky said, Mason Crosby has traded the soccer ball for a football in his rehab from knee surgery. A sign his return is near. Details in our best of training camp file, and he's got a, a link there to an article about it. So I, I talked about the other day on a past episode that Mason was out there kicking a soccer ball around, and, and they were saying that was a part of the rehab. Rather than jumping right in and kicking a football, they wanted kicking a soccer ball, right? And that's what he was doing. Well, now the soccer ball has been traded in for a football. So one more step in the right direction for Mason Crosby. There, I'm almost 99.9% .9 sure he is good to go. Everything went great in the surgery. Now, they they cut uh, Burkick, right, because Burkick couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a mop, right? I mean, it, this guy was it, was – it was bad. It was real bad. Um, so they cut him bringing another kicker. But and when I seen that, it kind of got me worried. Like, oh man, are they scrambling now? Well, obviously Mason's uh, getting close to getting back on the field, which is a a very 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 good thing. So, all right. So, as practice wrapped up, um, had several players in the locker room for comments. So let's let's go to them. Let's go to Aaron Rodgers here. Um, you know, he was just kind of talking about some of the struggles they've had in camp, demanding more out of his wide receivers. And then he had a, a little nugget here about the offensive line as well. But let's hear from number 12 uh, in the locker room after the uh, Saints joint practice. Got 60 seconds. Carlo is a prom queen. Go ahead. 
What did you learn about the offense today going up against a different defense for the first time? Uh, you know, I didn't think we ran the ball very well, especially outside zone. Uh, thought we threw it pretty, pretty good. Had some opportunities, a lot of mental errors, a lot of pre-snap penalties. So, kind of been the theme of camp. Simple, simple plays. We're messing up. So it's good to do it against another team. Um, I like the energy from the first, first unit, but a lot of mental mistakes. Aaron, what point does that become a concern that it might carry over to the start? Of the no, I mean it's good. It's good we do it in practice. So. It's unfortunately some of the same guys. That that's you know repeat mistakes are a problem. So we just got to clean those things up a little bit. The young guys, you know, they got to, especially young receivers. We got to be way more consistent. You know, a lot of, a lot of drops, a lot of, uh, you know, bad route decisions, run the wrong route. So we gotta we gotta get better in that area. But I felt like the line for the most part held up pretty good, which was which was good to see. All right, so one thing that stood out to me there was he was talking about, you know, there were some bad route decisions, and, and a lot of people don't understand that about this offense is there are route options involved in this offense. Some people think that, okay, the play's called, run that route, and there's nothing else to it. Um, it's a little more complex than that. Really, it's like that all across the league. Bill Belichick brung that in, and it's kind of the old run-and-shoot mentality from way back in the day of, okay, Here's three, here's three routes you can run on this play, and you've got to read the DB, right? And if the DB is showing this, then you run this route. If he's showing that, you run this route, right? And everything's kind of on the fly adjusted. But the quarterback knows that in the bag of tools, he only has, you know, uh, you know, just a handful of routes to expect there. And if they're on the same page, they read the same technique, the same defensive keys. And, and when you hear me say uh, technique, keys are the same thing. There's keys that the defense is tipping to the offense. And if a quarterback is smart enough and a receiver is smart enough, they can pick up on those things. And, and it's it's darn near impossible to defend. That's why Julian Edelman was so, so good with Tom Brady. That's why Jordy Nelson was so good with Aaron Rodgers, and then he leaves, and lo and behold, he just falls flat on his face. It's not to dog Jordy Nelson. It's just they had that chemistry. They knew what the other person was thinking. The receiver was an extension to the quarterback, right? And, um, yeah, that's that's something that he's talking about there, and that's that's going to be some growing pains with the uh, – with the uh, with the receivers, you know, going to a younger core, but I kind of got the vibe on the front side of that video, and, I, and I'm I'm strictly, you know, just uh, speculating here um, that he wasn't talking about the rookie receivers in that first comment because then he went to the rookie receivers and said, you know, the rookies have got to, the young guys have got to do better at catching the football and and this and that. So it kind of made me think, okay, it's either Alan Lazard, uh, Sammy Watkins, right? Probably not Randall Cobb, so probably Amari Rogers. One of those three, if not two, who knows all of them. You know, it sounded like one of them to me is not on the same page. My guess would be probably either Sammy Watkins or Amari Rogers. And those guys better watch out because I'm telling you right now, Romeo Dobbs is coming like a freight train, right? And now we're going to have Christian Watson back into the fold, and it's going to be real hard to keep him off the field. Like Ryan said the other night, you know, I – uh, ask the question on Packernet After Dark, which, by the way, guys, if you're not calling into Packernet After Dark, I know the lines have been busy, but we want to hear from the fans. We want to hear from you guys. There's somebody hearing my voice right now that's going, I'd like to call in, but I don't I don't want to sound stupid on the air or I don't, I don't really know that much of football. It doesn't matter how much or how little about football you know. Whatever level you know, 
call in. We want that interaction with you guys. We want you guys to be a part of that show. It's huge. It's 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 the most important aspect of that show. Of course, it gets goofy, and and it, it's really turned into comedy hour to a certain extent. Some of those guys they call in, and it's like, wow, uh, you know, the the connection of the callers really cracks me up. But that's a anyway. That's a, a story for another day. But you guys call in and ask those football questions. It's absolutely huge that you guys stay involved. This is like, you know, I'm going to answer a listener email, and we answered another one on Sunday. Um, I love those emails, man. It, it's, it's, it, it lets me know where you're my, you're, you guys and gals, where your mind's at, and what you want the show to be about. And that's what's going to drive this. I told you guys in the very first episode of this podcast, you guys are going to control this show. And anytime you guys email in and give an idea, um, it's going to be taken into consideration very, very strongly. I try to put those emails right to the forefront. It's it's very important to us. So anyway, let's go on to the next uh, next guy who spoke after joint practice. And that was uh, that was Russell Douglas. And Russell Douglas uh, was you're going to kind of catch a, a theme here, guys. He, he talked about Jair and Jair's leadership. And then he kind of hit on hit on the joint practice for a second. But let's hear what Russell Douglas had to say here after practice today. So we aren't surprised? Yeah, you're probably not surprised. No, 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 We we want more. We don't even feel like that was enough. For real, honestly. We still mad. Ja was yelling at us. And he don't really yell at nobody. If y'all know Ja, y'all know Ja. He weird and he don't really talk like that. So for him to yelling at everybody, it's just like, all right, come on, step it up. He just said he didn't like how stuff was going. And as one of our leaders, we all respect his what he say. And it was just like, pick it up. Where did y'all see room for improvement? It seemed like you were controlling things out there. Where did you see it you needed to get Domination. Like, that's, that's our key. Everybody gets dominated no matter who you are. So, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Has it been cursed? I mean, they've been doing well. Everybody gets dominated. I love that answer. In practice, Good. to go to do what you did today against a different team, just how much is that going to boost your confidence going in? Yeah, all of us. You know, and we all got a chance to play with each other against somebody else that we can actually kind of thud up, tackle, not to the ground, but in a sense, and just go at it, knowing that they trying to win just as bad as you trying to win. It ain't no brother on brother crime, you know? It's like they had a different jersey on. So it was definitely good for us. I love it, man. He, You could tell Rasul's got some dog in him. And you don't hang around the league like he has and then get that one opportunity and completely pounce on it the way he did without having dog in you. I mean, the guy is – I think he's awesome. I think it was a great signing. You guys have heard me talk about it in the offseason. Um, we we kind of broke down contracts and these new extensions and all that. And Russell Douglas signing is is huge because it's really a one-year deal. They The Packers can get out of it after one year. But if they like what they see, you can keep them around for the duration of the entire three-year contract, right? Um, I thought it was a great signing. It was kind of like a, hey, look, here's the foundation for a three-year deal, but we really want you to show us in, in year one. And it's really it's it's a win-win situation for for both parties. But uh, what he was talking about with Jair, Jair's leadership, how when he talks they shut up, right? And then he talked about how they want to they want to they want to bring the thunder to everybody. They want to impose their will as a defense on their opponents. I love the direction this defense is going. I really really do. I mean, when you when you talk about the players that that are running this defense. You know, Jair Alexander's leadership has been on display so much here recently, right? And then not to mention Rashawn Gary. And then you've got Devondre Campbell in the middle who is he's bringing on the, the rookie Quay Walker, right? And then you go to the DB room and Jair Alexander is, is hands down. He is the alpha in that room. And those guys have so much respect for him. But you've got Stokes with all that raw talent, all that speed, all that agility. And then you've got Rasul Douglas with the ball skills that he showed last year. And you heard him, that kind of that dog mentality, somebody who's going who's gonna to do everything he can for his teammates, for the defense, to make sure this defense goes down as one of the best. You know, um, I heard Ron Wolf talking about how earlier today on a pod um, he was being interviewed. And Ron Wolf talked about how their defense was the main reason they won that Super Bowl in 96. And it's because he had players in the locker room like Leroy Butler that loved football and they wanted to be the best at their craft. And when he first got there, Ron Wolf said there was guys there just collecting checks. They were just they were there to cash a check, then go have a cold beer after practice, after the game, what have you. Right. And then he knew he had to transform that culture, you know, watching hard knocks. I won't talk too much about it because Detroit Lions, but Dan Campbell and that culture he's creating up there. There are some people on the outside that like to make fun of Dan Campbell and they like to poke at him a little bit. Oh, look at he broke down crying last year and the 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 knee biting and all that that the comments he's made. But I'm telling you, he stepped into that on that last episode of Hard Knocks and he stepped into the team meeting room and he said, "Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If I see anybody not paying attention to their teammates," during this preseason game, you know, he kind of looked like he was looking off into the stands and waving at people and everything. He said, while your teammate is out there laying his guts on the line and he's clawing for a roster spot, and you don't even have the respect to pay attention to him and see the work that they're putting in on the field. Like he, he can't deal with it. And it showed Jamal Williams and Jamal Williams smiling. You know, we all love Jay Boogie. We hated to see him go, but you know, it is what it is. We drafted, uh, A.J. Dillon, and obviously A.J. Dillon's a better running back than Jabal Williams, but 
seeing Jamal Williams grin. Jamal Williams understands culture. When he was drafted, I remember immediately going and looking at his draft profile, and I seen a video of him walking his college campus, and they called him Jay Boogie, and they were just like, this guy is high energy all the time. He walks in the room. He lights it up. He'll, he'll break down in tears talking about how much he loves his teammates. That's called culture. And Rasul Douglas, Jair Alexander, you know, Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, and then you got what I think is one of the key cogs in this defense and this leadership is what I call the silent assassin. That's Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark there at the nose tackle position. They said he played last year at 320. This year he's coming in just a little bit over 300 pounds, like 305 tops, right? So he's trimmed down. Kenny Clark is one of those silent leaders. You can tell his teammates love him. And the beautiful thing about a silent leader is when something needs to be said and they speak up, everybody listens because there's no fluff. They're not constantly shouting. They're not constantly trying to draw attention to themselves. You know, you got those guys that that are out there that anytime you've been a part of a team, and, and I've been fortunate to be a part of a team pretty much the first 18 years of my life I played, you know, team sports. And there was always one or two of those guys that when they spoke, it was like they're just doing this for them. They just want to hear themselves talk. And they just want to draw attention to themselves. And then you had others that were constantly quiet and you, they always had the dirtiest uniform coming off the field. And they were always the scrappiest player. And they were always checking on their teammates and they were always building other people up, not tearing people down. I tell you, Twitter, Twitter is rough on me right now. For all the people that were so excited about football season, if you go to Twitter and scroll that timeline right now, and people that I know real close, that I'm like, God, dude, you guys sound freaking miserable. I'm over here grinning like a possum in a dumpster, and you guys are walking around like, oh, I can't believe they cut that guy. That was a stupid move. And I'm going, what? I, I thought we were excited about football season. I'm not saying you got to agree with everything the front office does, but, my God, you you people walk around, you know, like you like you just ate a artichoke or something. You got the sour mouth. I'm like, what? I don't understand it. But anyway, Kenny Clark, you've got these people that stay quiet, that and, and when they speak – the team listens, right? And they listen because they know this is from the heart. They know this guy's putting in work and he's keeping his mouth shut. He's not out there shouting like one of these guys that are born on third base and act like they hit a freaking triple. This guy I have so much respect for because, you know, a lot of people don't know this story, but his dad is in prison for murder. And, it, and his dad claims that he did not commit the murder. So you can only imagine as a young kid, and I'm not sure, I think he was a teenager when it happened, if I remember correctly, or maybe he was a preteen, but Kenny Clark is hearing this story from his dad that he didn't commit it. So he's probably mad at the justice system. He's mad he, he don't have a dad at home. He's mad that his family's being robbed of that. He's also in the back of his mind probably wondering, did he really do it? Like, should I love my dad because of what he might have done? Like all this stuff he had to go through as a kid, right? And then he gets drafted as one of the youngest players in the history of the National Football League. And here he is, I think it's six years. And man, that time has flown by. Six years later, he got his contract extension, one of the leaders on the team, and he's just one of those guys that leads by example. I absolutely love Kenny Clark. But let's hear what he had to say in the locker room after practice today. You know, a lot of guys, everybody was was pretty much fired up. Um, uh, like I said, you know, we had another team in here, and um, it was exciting to, to, to finally, like, play against somebody else, to really get out there um, and, you know, hit with those guys, bang up with those guys, and, uh, and get going. 
Because we know generally, or at least we've seen around the league, these joint practices get kind of feisty. How, how is it to see that there was that intensity, but it all stayed relatively clear? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, guys are going to talk and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's competition. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, the talking and the fighting don't mean nothing unless, you know, something get done in between the lines. So, um, you know, that's what we're doing. We just, we just playing football. We know how we're playing physical between the whistles and, um, you know, just, just letting everything play out how it's supposed to play out. How would you assess the defensive performance overall? Great, great. Um, you know, but it's not over. We got we gotta, um, another day of work, and then we got we to gotta, um, have a good performance in the preseason game. How does it feel to have that type of performance today after having good performances against the same unit over and over and over, but now doing it against someone? It's good. It's good. That, that's a really good football team. And, um, you know, now the next step is just being consistent, you know, being able to stack two days, uh, stack, stack day after day, and um, not have no lows. What type of leader is this tool? Sounds like a vocal guy. Yeah, uh, you know, a vocal guy, um, a guy that comes in every single day, uh, puts in the work, um, you know, since he's first guy here. And, uh, it's a guy that everybody respects, uh, everybody loves in his locker room, and, uh, you know, we have to be brought him back. How much do you value these opportunities? Love it. So he was talking about Jair Alexander there and, and how he comes in and puts in the work and everybody respects him, and, and he's a very vocal leader. Um, it kind of feels like Charles Woodson, guys. I'm just being honest. Everything you're hearing about Jair Alexander, it kind of feels like Wood. People gravitate toward him because when you see him out there on the practice field, even, you know, earlier when it was just, you know, some individual drills and stuff, and he'd be off to the side. He's pumping the crowd up. He's having fun. He's building his teammates up. And that's why when he gets in a Romeo Dobbs's face and says, I want to cover him one-on-one, -on -one, he's he's trying to teach him, hey, look, you, I'm the best in the freaking game at, at covering wide receivers. Let's see if you can stick with me. You know, iron sharpens iron. You always want to go up against the best of the best. It's the only thing that's going to stretch you and make you better. You know, a lot of people, they make the mistake, especially when you get to a certain level in sports, they just they want to play with people that are a little bit less than them so they can always look good. That does nothing for you. Nothing. If you've got to get out there and stretch yourself. I mean, I, I remember absolutely. And this is a very silly comparison, but I'm going to say it's the only thing that I have in my life that would compare to a situation like this. I remember absolutely dominating in senior league baseball. And, and Little League, Little League, I was like this superstar, right? And you come up in Senior League, and, uh, you know, I had one of the records there. I think I struck out 17 batters in one game in a seven-inning game, and everybody was like, oh, my God, Clayton's like this super – no, these, these kids suck. They suck. And that's why when I get into high school, even before high school, and I start playing on the varsity high school team in the eighth grade, I'm going, okay, this is a different ball game here. That's how I got better playing against those seniors, playing in a, a tournament called the Great Southern Shootout down here in Morristown, Tennessee, and uh, going up against Canadian baseball teams. And these guys look like grown freaking men. And I'm out there in the eighth grade, you know, staring up like, okay, how am I going to compete with these guys? Those are the things that stretch you, right? That's the type of stuff that you're you're looking to get. And that's why these joint practices are so important. Put put the ones against the, against the ones. And I respect Matt LaFleur. A lot of people – gave Matt LaFleur some crap today because it's my understanding they decided to not do one-on-ones because they uh, they didn't they didn't want the tempers to flare too much, right? I respect that. I mean, he, he's obviously seen something where if, if all they're going to do is get out there and fight, what's the point, right? If it's going to turn into that, then the whole joint practice is ruined. Now, it's going to happen. Anytime you're playing football, there's going to be – there's going to be friction like that, especially when you get 
you know, different color jerseys out there. You've been hitting your teammate for so long that it's okay. I want to, I want to put this helmet in somebody's sternum that I, that I don't care about, that I don't love. Right. I want to hurt somebody. I can understand how tempers flare, but what work are you getting in? And it's, it's amazing. All the people that say, Oh yeah, they, they need to be out there. That's crazy. What a bunch of wussies. Okay. And then all of a sudden Rashawn Gary tears an ACL because somebody goes low and takes does a dirty crack back on him. Now all of a sudden it's, why are we doing joint practices? This is stupid. Fire the coach. It's amazing how that works. Right. But anyway, that's that's what happened with practice today. Got to hear from a few players. I think that stuff's important. I love uh, listening to sound bites from the locker room and just getting that. Guys, the whole purpose of this pod and what we wanted to do with Packers Total Access, the vision I had for it was I want you guys to feel like you're right there in the building at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. I want you to be up to date and know the news and notes and everything that's coming out. When we do a post-game show, I want you to feel like the game just ended. I'm I'm leaving my seats and walking out of the stadium, and I'm listening to a recap of the game in real time, right? And and leading up to the game and, and prepping, like, you know, we're going to do a show on Thursday where we're going to do an opponent scout, and it's going to be kind of our first one. And I've already got it laid out here where we're going to scout the Saints, and we're going to talk about the head coach and staff. We're going to talk about – the personnel that they run on offense. And and why do we talk about that? Because that's going to dictate what defense is on the field, right, and and how we might approach that game plan. When we get in the regular season, it's going to be some real X's and O's and breaking down, you know, how we, how we are going to approach each individual game. But I want this show to feel like you're right there in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's why we try to have people like pa- uh, Packer owner Bobby on that lives there local in Green Bay. You know, Ryan did a great job communicating, and, and we kind of threw it together there on the, the preseason night stream, or I'm sorry, the family night stream, where we had people implanted in Lambeau Field to do live video while we were streaming the watch party. So we want you to feel connected to Green Bay. That's the whole purpose. So that's why we bring you those sound bots. Hopefully you enjoy those. But we're going to wrap the show up with an email uh, from a listener, okay? I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. And uh, I'm firing from the hip on this one. I didn't get this far in the earlier pod. And honestly, it's amazing how the pod is so much different the second time around after the power went out because I got a little heated there, <laughs> and I didn't on the first one. It's amazing how the second time through it, this feels like a totally different pod. But uh, anyway, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to look at this email here, so hopefully I can answer it on the fly. But this comes in from Jake. It says, hey, Clayton, Jake here. First thing, the Chalk Talk segment was off the charts. You said it was difficult to describe the play without a visualization, but I think you – I don't know if I said that. It don't sound like a word I'd use, man. There's too many syllables. <laughs> a play without a visualization. But I think you did an incredible job relaying the info. Really looking forward to more of them. That's great. Thank you so much for that feedback, Jake, because we got great feedback from the Chalk Talk segment, and obviously it's something I'm passionate about. I know Jacob enjoyed it, that he got to sit in on one with me. Um, I think that stuff's important just to take one or two key plays and break it down and just go, okay, yes, this was a huge touchdown run, or yes, this was a huge, you know, defensive play, but why did it work? What was the personnel? Who was on the field? What was the play design? How did the players adjust? What was the pre-snap adjustment? What was the post-snap read? All that stuff's important. If we just take one play a week and break it down, everybody's going to come away with a little bit better understanding of what the Packers are trying to do. Rather than being that drunk fan in Section 301 going, 
run the ball, you idiot. <laughs> like you're actually invested in the game plan and understanding, okay, here's what they were trying to accomplish and why they did it. Like the fact that it was a fourth down play too, and it's preseason, it shows you the football junkie I am that I get this excited about one play in a preseason game, but it was fourth and three. The defense obviously called what they call a run blitz, a zero-man run blitz is basically what they were doing. Well, we break the huddle with 11 personnel and flex everybody out wide. Now the whole ball, ball game has changed, right? And you've seen it was a 33-yard strike to Dobbs. That stuff, I love that stuff, and I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jake. And, and thanks to everyone else who gave feedback. There were several people on Twitter that DM'd me and then also tagged me in tweets. I really, really appreciate the encouragement because that was a, a fun segment. And we'll continue to do that the episode after – the, uh, after the more the most recent game, I should say. All right, he says two questions for you. One, what is the most underrated aspect of Lafleur's offense and Barry's defense? Maybe that casual fans don't recognize. That's a tough. Uh, that's a tough question. Um, he's got a second question. Let's go on here. When are you and Ryan going to create a pod that you co-host together? Uh, okay. When are when are you and Ryan going to create a pod that you co-host together? I think it would be amazing uh, consistently having you guys throw around topics back and forth. His show is number one on the playlist playlist, and yours is number two. Sorry, LOL. Uh, also, I live in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. Not sure if you know where that is, uh, but if you're ever passing through, you should let me know. Not much to do here, but maybe go grab some KFC. KFC's money, dude, especially in Kentucky. Um, LOL, keep up the great work, Jake. Okay. First of all, I know exactly where Middlesbrough, Kentucky is because my sister lives there. I'm, I'm the youngest of five children, and uh, I have, you know, obviously three older older sisters and and one older brother. But uh, my my middle sister, I guess you could say, not the oldest, but the one right in between, um, she lives in Middlesbrough. And you guys see me post a picture on Twitter of the beautiful little baby girl. It's my very first niece. Um, that's that's her daughter. So I know exactly where Middlesbrough is. I'm actually going to be going down there. And it's funny that we just got this email because we should be going down in the next day or two to see the baby. They just got out of the hospital, had some oxygen issues, but everything's great now. God is good. Everything's good to go on that front. Um, but, yeah, man, maybe we could hook up sometime. That would be awesome. Um, I don't know about KFC, man. I'm kind of burnt out, to be honest with you, but we can grab something else. But um, good stuff, man, that you're, uh, you're listening from Kentucky. There's a lot more Kentucky listeners than I imagine. And, and you know, there's a couple other people that – have podcasts that are located in Lexington. I was just like, wow, man, there's a lot of a lot of Packer fans from Kentucky. That's pretty cool. Must be a bred into us somehow. But back to the question. When are you and Ryan going to create a pod to ho- to co-host together? Um, I'll, I don't know, dude. I know this. Anytime that Ryan um, takes the time to come on my show and help me out, um, I, w- I would have him on every day, but I don't want to bother him. And the thing about Ryan – um, he's just one of those guys that I think if I asked him every day, he would come on every day because he just wants to help. He just he loves talking Packer football, and uh, he loves this community. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, as far as him wanting to do a show with me, though, I doubt that's the case. Um, he seems to be having a blast with Packernet after dark and all that. We'll have him on from time to time. My answer would be, yeah, absolutely, man. If it's one show a week, one show every other week, I'm, I'm all about it, dude. Um, We've thrown some ideas around back and forth as far as like having like, you know, maybe a flagship show um, where we have everybody on. That would be cool, too. But anyway, I, I appreciate the kind words being your number two. <laughs> and it, here's the thing, Jake. If you had a podcast, you'd be my number two as well, because Ryan's my number one, dude. He has been for a long time. Um, yeah, he. it's just like I said before, man, his, his podcast got me through some dark times. 
and uh, just uh, knowing that every single day there was going to be a Packer podcast and not just when it was convenient for a podcast host. He was always going to put content out and uh, always loved, always loved and enjoyed his approach. Love the fact that he keeps freaking politics out of it. He's not one of these that, that like the grandstand, whether it's for the right or the left. He's just talking Packer football, and you're going to know exactly how he feels. And uh, I absolutely respect that about him, that he doesn't try to get those brownie points with the, you know, the low-hanging fruit, just trying to, uh, you know, um, cherry-pick certain current events because he knows it's going to get, you know, a certain ratio of likes on Twitter. That stuff just – it bothers me. I'm all about helping people, man. I'm all about roll your, roll your sleeves up and get your freaking hands dirty. One of the things I absolutely enjoy doing – is we've got a program that we participate in, me and my wife, where we feed um, some of the elderly and handicapped people, mentally handicapped people here locally. And, uh, man, what a blessing. People thank us. Oh, thank you so much for helping. You know, we'll feed like any anywhere from like 80 to 90 people, um, you know, uh, one or two Saturdays a month. Or, I'm sorry, one or two Wednesdays a month we'll go in and do that. And, uh, you know, they're thanking us, but, man, the real – the real thank you should go to the people that help organize it and allow us to just serve because it's a it's a blast to do that stuff. But uh yeah, I would love to do a show with Ryan. Anyway, okay, back to the first uh back to the uh, first question. What is the most underrated aspect of LaFour's offense and Barry's defense? Let's start with the offense, man. It's kind of tough on the fly. I don't want to just ramble here, and that'll happen when I get to talking X's and O's. Um, I think the one of the big things that comes to mind, and it's the only way to answer a question on the fly, is the first thing that comes to mind is the honest answer. Let it fly out your mouth, right? Uh, for me, it's the RPO and the option route aspect. And it's funny because we talked about this a little bit earlier when when Aaron was talking about you know uh, receivers knowing which route to run and when, right? Um, it's kind of confirmation that all the things that we've seen in the past, especially with Devontae Adams and some of the receivers that have been around for a while, is the option route aspect, you know. I think a lot of people don't know about that, and it's very underrated, but the RPO aspect of this offense is huge. When you have Aaron Rodgers, and it's funny, he got absolutely crucified for coming out and saying that I don't think you want to turn, you know, 15 years of knowledge off, um, you know, playing the quarterback position when everybody made a big deal out of the whole him wanting to change plays at the line of scrimmage and Matt LaFleur didn't want him to. Obviously, that was not the case at all. But when you have someone who understands the game of football, especially from an offensive standpoint like Aaron Rodgers, to come to the line of scrimmage and you've got a play. First of all, you got two plays. You got the play called and you got a can play, which means if you don't like that play, you can can to the second one. So you've got two options there. And then on top of that, within certain plays, probably a large majority of plays, more, more plays than most people understand, there's an RPO aspect. So let's say he comes to the line and he's in, you know, an ace 11. Let's say it's a single back set, tight end, you know, strong right. You got your slot receiver on the left. You got one running back behind him, right, and he's under center. And he comes out and says, okay, let's let's go ahead. Let's shift to the pistol. So he drops, you know, he shifts back, and they go to, you know, the, the, the halfback slides a couple yards behind him, and he calls an RPO or whatever, right? Let's say it's an RPO with a – with a, a little bubble on the left, right? Like a just a, a straight straight dash to the sideline by the wide receiver. And if they go to this, then the X receiver will help block down and try to free him up on the sideline. Well, Aaron Rodgers takes the snap, okay? And he'll immediately look at his key, and his key will be that corner on the edge. And if that corner bites on the fact that he's turning to hand the ball off, 
or even if he's in a sidecar, don't even have to be a pistol. You know, the it could be a, a sidecar look where the running back's, you know, right there in his hip pocket to the right. He looks up if that corner starts to bite, and he can just flick that thing out there in the flat to the receiver, and you got the X receiver blocking down, and it's up the sideline. You seen that with Amari the other day. However, I don't think that was an RPO. That looked like just a, a bubble screen of of some sort there. But uh, yeah. That aspect of LaFleur's offense is not talked about a lot. Now, let's say he snaps the ball and he looks and the corner stays at home. Okay, now, you're, now you've got the numbers game in the box. Let's hand it off to the running back and let him take off, right? I think that RPO aspect, I mean, like I said, you come to the line with a play called. You've got a can play you can go to, and then you've got the RPO where you can, you know, you can throw the pass or you can hand off to the running back. There's just a lot of different options, and you've got no quarterback better uh, in the league to do that than Aaron Rodgers. I think even more so than Tom Brady. I'm not disputing that Tom Brady is the GOAT. It, it, it's all about winning rings. It's amazing how some people still say Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. Okay, dude, uh, this is what I always say. Would you trade Aaron Rodgers' success for Tom Brady's? Oh, you wouldn't? Okay, then he's not the better quarterback. Sorry. But you don't see Tom Brady doing as much with RPOs. They do run RPOs in Tampa but it's not quite as efficient as as the quick release and the throwing off platform that Aaron Rodgers can do. I mean, it's literally like just flicking his wrist and that thing comes out of there like a dart. It's absolutely amazing what he can do with the football. So that would be my answer to that question. Uh, RPOs and option route aspect, right? Um, the pre-snap decision, you know, sometimes it's a post-snap decision, but the one thing that's for, sh for sure is Aaron Rodgers is always in control of that offense. Let's go to the defensive side, Joe Barry's defense. Um, I did a little bit of a breakdown of the offense and defense a little while back and the history of Joe Barry's defense and how he comes from the Vic Fangio tree and, and where Vic Fangio got it from. And we won't go back through all those details. You can go find the old pod and listen to it. It, it, it seemed to get pretty good reviews. People enjoyed it. But the thing that stands out to me about Barry, Barry's defense that goes very, very undernoticed or underrated, I guess you could say, um, is how he disguises. Um, it's it's 100% um, necessary to be successful, a uh, successful defense in the National Football League, is being able to sugar at the line of scrimmage, being able to disguise what look you're in. And there's no better way to disguise a defensive look than to show the same defensive look the majority of the time. Not always, but the majority of the time. And what I mean by that is if you come out and you've got the same defensive look every single play, but then when the ball snapped, it, it could go from, you know, what, what seems to be a – a uh, cover four palm or a, a cover four quarter, right, play, um, to all of a sudden you're in single high man coverage to a cover three where you've got a single high, but you've got three deep zone on the outside, you know, two deep zones on the outside. It, it could be a buzz. It could be, I mean, there's a number of different things, concepts, that could come out of that same exact look. But for the majority of the time, what Barry's defense does is they have two on the shelf, and that forces the quarterback to you're pretty much eliminating anything he can do pre-snap. You know, Aaron Rodgers, one of Aaron Rodgers' best years was um, it was just two or three years after he took over as a starter. And I remember his third down completion percentage was just freaking unbelievable. It was almost historic. It might have been historic, as a matter of fact. His third down completion percentage was, and it's because on third downs, and at the time, the league predominantly ran um, zone blitzes. 
And so on th- you get in a third down situation, a third and eight, and they bring in a zone blitz. Aaron Rodgers could read a blitz so good. And it was like he welcomed that blitz because, again, he has good pre-snap judgment. He, he can pre-snap read. He can post-snap read. He's got quick release and deadly accuracy. That's what made Aaron Rodgers so good on third downs. But teams started to morph into, all right, let's play two-man under against Aaron Rodgers. And then you had the Eddie Lacy days come on where, okay, we're going to pound the rock when you guys are in two-man under. That's the only way you can get a defense out of a two-man under look. When I mean two-man under, man coverage across the board, two safeties on the shelf. So you got the free safety and the strong safety are responsible for half the field, right? One on, you know, the strong safety on the right side, free safety on the left from the offense's perspective, and then everybody underneath is playing man coverage, typically with inside to under technique, meaning they're gonna they're gonna allow them to beat them deep because they've got safety help over the top. Maybe not the seam routes, but definitely on the outside. Um, it, the only way to run a team out of that is by running the football, right? Well, we're essentially showing that look. Now they know it's not a two man under because it is a cover four that they typically run with with a lot of cover three buzz principles attached to it. We won't go into all those details, but if you show that same look, then pre-snap Aaron Rodgers would come out, you know, like I said, two, three years after he took over as starter and he would see them shift into the box and he'd be licking his lips. Like, Oh, I know exactly where I'm going with this football right. There's my hot read. And if my hot read, my hot read may even be open and I still might throw a bomb because I think Jordy can beat him over the top or I think Jennings can beat him on that post pattern. Right. And it's all because the team, the the defense was vulnerable because they were bringing six or seven guys and there were so many holes in the defense. But the thing that made it so unique was they were showing it at the line of scrimmage and it it gave Aaron that pre snap tip. Well, if you do what Joe Barry does the majority of the time with his defense and show that same too high look and even a too high look with your corners playing, you know, anywhere from seven to eight yards off the ball on the outside, then you take away that pre-snap advantage. The quarterback's going to come to the line and go, well, crap, they got two on the shelf. We're not going up top, at least not pre-snap. And then lo and behold, they snap the ball. Everyone shifts. you got post-snap movement. You're, you're literally eliminating that first step, right? And you're forcing the most difficult aspect of playing quarterback in the National Football League, which is post-snap read. You're forcing them to do that every single play. And it's only a matter of time before teams make mistakes and you get your Russell Douglas interceptions. And, uh, you know, they may see a ghost. He snapped the ball. They think there's two on the shelf. Next thing you know, they are bringing a blitz or it's just a single high up, up top and they're playing man coverage across the board. Quarterback hesitates for a second, misses his key. His hot is no longer as hot. And Rashawn Gary's picking peanuts out of his you-know-what, right? That's how it works. That's what I love about Joe Barry's defense, and I think it is very, 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 um, very underrated as the question asked here. So, or as the listener asked in his question, it's just uh, breaking out of the sugar post snap is is freaking huge, man. When you wait until post snap, and then you come out of the sugar, you know, you come out of the the whole disguise. I keep saying sugar. I'm sorry. That's that's what I I heard it called that years ago, and it's kind of that old terminology and it just kind of stuck with me but uh yeah that would be the answer to the question jake that was a long wasn't a long email but it took me a while to answer that i apologize it took so long but hopefully that answers your question again thank you so much for listening and uh and uh tuning into the show and and obviously sending feedback man that means the world to us so 
Um, with that being said, guys, we went a little bit longer on this one than I did on the first one. Or, of course, I didn't finish the first one, but I felt like it went a little smoother, so I apologize. We're going to get you guys out of here just to kind of let you know, again, key dates coming up. Um, we've got another joint practice tomorrow with the Saints. And then uh, on Thursday, we're going to be doing another Packers Total Access, and this is going to be our very first opponent scout episode. We're going to scout the Saints. And just to kind of give you guys a preview that when we get into the regular season, that show right before game day, which will typically be Saturday's show, um, will actually – and this I'm talking about regular season schedule. The Saturday show will do a, an opponent scout on Sunday's matchup. And then, bam, the game happens Sunday. Immediately following the game, we'll do a post-game show. And then when we come back on Tuesday, we'll do chalk talk and break down one play from that game. And along the way, we're going to cover any news that breaks, right, and we're going to cover any kind of uh, anything like that in real time. That way you never fall behind on the important information. But those are going to kind of be the themes to the shows moving forward. And we may mix in a little bit of history here or there. What's great is the emails here lately haven't been asking for history segments. And, and that's really, really, that's really awesome because we've got plenty to talk about. We'll save the history segments for when there's slow news cycle, maybe on a bye week. You know what I mean? And if you guys got something you want me to talk about, bring it up. I'll, I'll put a show together and we'll do it. Like I said, you guys are steering the ship. You're controlling the show. And we just appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to hang out with us. So I apologize for this pod hitting so late. Again, the power went out. We do have good news, though. The bill was paid on time, so that's a plus. I'm really excited about that. No reconnection fee. Those days are gone for Clayton Bailey. Um, haven't had the power get cut off because we didn't pay the bill since I was a kid when we uh, – Moved out of the housing projects and moved into the trailer. It seemed like every other every other month the trailer didn't have power. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? So, anyway, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you listening. As always, uh, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go out and get a dub on Thursday or on Friday, rather, right? That's what it's all about. Let's go out and get that W, and uh, we will see you guys Thursday for an opponent scouting episode. Thank you so much for your time. Go Pack Go. Third to go. Good Vader. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to-